You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors. citizens of Gotham to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman. I am one of your hosts, Philip Barker, alongside my longtime heroic co-host, Craig Blaylock. Thank you again for joining us and for listening to the Eternal Night. Uh, How are we doing, Craig? Uh, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. That we are. That we are. And again, it is another slow week for Batman stuff. But today is a very momentous day. Tomorrow is a pretty awesome day for all you mothers out there, because tomorrow is Mother's Day as of this recording. Um, oh, I, I know what you're going to mention. Uh, uh, Gotham Knights got some DLC content, right? That's no. what that that was our big announcement, wasn't it? No, I had no idea that was a thing until yesterday. <laughs> to be honest, I just with you. I saw it yesterday and it made me giggle. <laughs> See, Craig told me something. I learned something new today. <laughs> Everything's full circle now. No, no, seriously, I, 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 I genuinely did not know that, that that game had DLC. Good for anyone who plays it, I suppose. Uh-huh. Um, that's, yeah, yeah, cool. Again, Gotham Knights the game, not my bag. TV show, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit more, but I haven't seen the latest episode, so. Oh, well. Haven't had the time, been kind of busy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Playing a certain video game that's not at all Batman-related. Oh, I was just about to say, oh, you're, you're giving Gotham Knights another chance. Good job. No, no, I'm not going to give that game any more chances because two, two is enough. Two is enough, and that, that that's that. Two is enough. Um, though the TV show I did see today, maybe even yesterday, but I did see today that the CW is probably not moving forward with renewing either Superman and Lois or Gotham Knights. But I also did see a conflicting report that the CW was considering renewing only one. So, I don't know how I even feel about that. I mean, to be brutally honest, there's a, there's a cynical part of me that actually would laugh at the idea of Gotham Knights getting renewed over Superman and Lois on that network specifically. But the thing that doesn't really feel like makes that that the the thing that doesn't make me think it's going to happen is because I think the C, since now the CW is owned by Next Star 
and their fact that they're just get, practically just axing all the scripted content, it, they're just like, yeah, no, to hell with it. We don't care anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know whether or not one or both don't survive is, again, it's it's really no no solid impact on me one way or the other. Again, I, I just watch Gotham Knights to, you know, put on while I work out or something. It's it's really just something I watch sparingly and not avidly. I mean, the only thing that I can think that they might keep Superman and Lois is maybe because of the like stuff going on, you know, obviously James Gunn's Superman movie and all that, like maybe they want to keep that going, but at the same time too, we're eventually going to get Batman Brave and the Bold. So you could counter that argument and say, well, they want to keep Gotham Knights going to kind of keep the focus on Batman related stuff for Batman Brave and Bold, but who knows? Well, apparently Superman had a cameo in the Titans finale. But it was just his oh, feet did this he? time. Yeah, it was just his feet this time. Really? Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, I I'm only just speaking from the context of what I've seen floating around on Twitter. I have not watched any of season four. Actually, no, I take that back. I watched the first two episodes of season four, and I was like, yeah, no, I I I was well within my own personal feeling of yeah, no, th- season three was the nail in the coffin for me. I don't know why I bothered checking out the corpse. It's it's just not my bag. That show is not well written, in my personal opinion. I don't yeah. think anything about it narratively is well constructed, cohesive, or, to be honest, insightful. Like, yeah, it, it, you know they they the 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 twists and turns they had to take Dick Grayson and make him Nightwing was just not really up to snuff for me. Um, Honestly, the best thing about the show is probably the actors and the costumes that they're in. Truthfully, like the show looks good, mm-hmm. but again, whoever writes it, like whoever that writers room, that's 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 something you will always hear me talk about whenever that show is brought up. And I know I brought it up my own volition, but the, but it was funny because with James Gunn doing Superman and some of that casting for that movie kind of starting to trickle out, or at least front runners and rumors of who may or may not be Superman and thinking about like, well, is Superman anywhere else than any other medium? Of course, outside of Superman and Lois, I thought, oh yeah, that's right. I did see on Twitter that, yeah, Connor Kent leans down, like basically think Neil before Zod, but he kneels for Superman. Good boy. Yeah, actually, I'm looking at an article right now. They're saying that literally the only thing you see is his boots. Yep. And apparently they're not even like good boots. They're saying it's like bad cosplay. It's, (laughs) well... That's that show. Mm. That's Titans. Yeah, I I could only get through. I think I got through six the first six episodes of the first season. I think that's as far as I got. I got through the first three seasons. I think I, season I just, two it just couldn't. It couldn't grab me. I season, kept giving it a shot, and I just couldn't get into it. Season two is without a without a shadow of a doubt probably the best it ever got. But that bar is not high. And I'm sure I've said that before on this show, too, or anywhere else for that matter. But yes, I am just, I don't watch it. I have no desire to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I don't need to. I don't need to finish it. I'm waiting for Doom Patrol. Once Doom Patrol's out and ready, I'll be I'll be good. Because Doom Patrol left me just wondering. Because I love Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol's fantastic. Hmm. Apparently, several episodes of Titans were was uh, written by Jeff Johns. I don't care. <laughs> I, I I don't care. I really don't. Honestly, he could. 
you know what? That dude got his his resurgence and his his little win with Stargirl and whatever else he's doing on TV and whatever else he's doing with the tenure he has at DC Comics. Good for him. That doesn't at all absolve all the nasty nonsense that went on behind the scenes. Not only for Justice League, but Krypton yeah. and whatever else he's worked on, where he's just committed some just awful acts of racial profiling. So. As far as I'm concerned, Jeff Johns can eat a bag, and any of his supporters can as well eat a bag. Yep. But, yeah, um, there really, I really wish there was more to talk about as far as Batman goes, but we are talking on, on an anniversary today, because like, this is the day that, well, what is it, nine years ago, I almost said ten, but nine years ago was the first Crazy. reveal of Ben Affleck as Batman via Twitter, of course, through... Zack Snyder's Twitter account, and I think we've talked about this this moment mm-hmm. more than one time. I'm sure. Oh yeah. And then when I, it's funny because I was I was looking through my Facebook memories today, and that was like one of the first things I saw. I was like, oh right, that was today. Mm-hmm. I was like, that'd be a fun episode to talk about and talk. That through. first black and white image. Right, right, and even the caption. I shot it with my late my Lacia Lacia Leica. I couldn't even tell you how to pronounce the, the, the camera lens whatever you <laughs> shoot it but yeah yeah I, I definitely remember you know even even the night before and that that little reveal that they had for it there um you know what could be under the tarp reveal tomorrow and then like you know you get the idea like you, you kind of picture this frame in your head of like the back of the batmobile and then the tarp comes off and then who's the one pulling the tarp off well it's batman yep it's like that that's kind of the, the idea i felt that was conveyed there with that with that tease and it was brilliant like it, it was absolutely stunning like to see that batman suit and even for the longest time you it mind you you know batman v superman dawn of justice was like you know i'm, I'm also just coming off the the vodka patreon stream talking with dave Penny and a couple other people just about the discourse surrounding Batman v Superman that's transcribed over the past week uh, due to quotes from Zack Snyder himself at the, the Full Circle event, been taken out of context and just eaten to death by people who, you know, don't like Zack or don't like... Well, okay, don't Zack like... Snyder stuff taken out of context, you don't say. Right. People who do not or are not fans of Zack Snyder's body of work. And mm. they use things taken out of context to put out an article or get noticed whatever you know it's 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 just so funny to me that back then this movie was being made at the height of you know a cinematic you know, cinematic superhero universe just being the thing in hollywood so people you know i feel like there was a, a lot of pressure on a on a batman superman movie especially with competing against a universe that's you know nine ten movies deep in it by that point and yep. and to have your your big two be portrayed in the way that they were in that movie and again like he's it's it's so funny that when people respond to what what was said what he had what Zack Snyder had said in regards to his films when it wasn't even just kind of it was a, I don't think it was a question that was asked, but it was just kind of talked about during one of the interviews that, you know, the reason why he thought the the reception of it was so polarizing and so, you know, divisive was because I think a lot of people, and I, I'm kind of with him on this, I think a lot of people were really expecting a, a very typical 
action superhero romp where you know Batman Superman fight but then at the end of the movie they make up their friends the Justice League is formed Wonder Woman's there they kind of break apart break them apart and everything's all hunky dory and you know they go into Justice League I think that's what people were expecting what they got was not that at all but yeah I think it was at, at that point everything I, by by that point the Marvel effect was already in full swing 100% it was it was pretty much at that point Anything superhero related had to be the Marvel version. It had to have that Marvel spin on it. And it's and so I, f- I think it, like you said, it this came out and it was drastically different from that, and it that just didn't sit well with people. Yeah, and like it's funny you mentioned that because the Marvel effect is in full th- well, full swing, and you start thinking about it as as a fan of you know just DC Marvel whatever, you start thinking about the idea of what the other side could look like or you could start thinking about like how spider-man could fit into that because at the time you know spider-man wasn't part of the mcu yeah it wasn't until civil war so it was it was intriguing to play with that idea and i remember back then like you know despite the fact that marvel had a pretty sizable catalog by that point and they were doing things that were you know always talked about with ray reviews i still remember just always looking at that picture of of batfleck that snyder shared and i'm just like yeah this movie's gonna beat the sauce it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna change the game it's gonna make things differently a matter of fact this past week i think i shared with you guys and i've just been kind of gloating a little bit shamelessly um i put out a tweet that i would kind of i guess you can maybe say went viral maybe not i don't know it's got like over 800 likes it's got you know over a hundred thousand engagements but it the, the the gist of what i said was well, actually, what I'll say, what I said in verbatim, is Batman v Superman is the Empire Strikes Back of comic book films. Mm-hmm. That is, w- without a shadow of a doubt, my perspective on the film. Because let's let like let's face it, like th- this movie is still being talked about seven years after the fact. It is still being a, a point of conversation amongst nerds who hate it or love it, regardless. The fact that it's, again, being brought back into conversation because of, you know, quotes and things from the director being, again, taken out of context so headlines could be made. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to me that, that the, and also, again, like, it, it, despite the fact that the, the obvious, yes, these are the two middle entries in a trilogy. 100%, yes, that is a coincidence for, as far as my assessment of it goes, yes. But I, 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 that being the thing isn't quite what, what matters to me. The fact that, not necessarily beat for beat, but almost structurally, Batman v Superman and The Empire Strikes Back follow very similar points. Mm-hmm. In that the ending of the movie specifically have the antagonist at a point where they actually manage to win, and a hero is more or less sacrificed. Superman more so than Han Solo, but even still... The yeah. idea still rings true. And even like, you know, there were some wins, but the, the hero of the story lost. Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. lost a hand and had a big reveal about, you know, Darth Vader. Uh, Superman died. Batman goes back to, you know, presumably being more on the side of humanity. And Wonder Woman, they, you know, but they lose him and they're like, well, shit, now what do we do? We have to protect the world on his behalf. Yep. You know, and... Even then, like the 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 antagonist winning, like Lex Luthor at the end of that movie, basically lets Batman know, like I know exactly who you are, 
you can do whatever you want to me, but I'm going to be treated like a king here in Batman. Basically, oh, you know, sure, yeah, you're insane. We can treat people with compassion. We have hospitals for that, but that's not what you're going. You're going to Arkham Asylum. Yeah. And the look on his face went from happy to sad, real confused in under 2.5 seconds, and it was glorious. But it's it's just so funny to me that, like, that one image of Ben Affleck as Batman leading into the trailer, leading into the next trailer, leading into, you know, the last trailer, the CW, Dawn of the Justice League segment or whatever with Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns when Jeff Johns was, you know, a little more active in regards to, hmm. you know, this universe when it was still going along the way that it was intended to. Um, but, yeah, then the, even leading into the movie, like, that, that one image after the logo reveal was, like, it, I remember people were like, okay, don't care how what who or what happens in the movie, he looked great. Yep. That is the one universal claim that, that has gone through with regards to Ben Affleck as Batman. He looks great as yep. Batman. Yep. Well, and what made me so giddy about it, and I'm sure it probably is kind of the same to you, when I very first saw that image, I was like, oh my god, that's the Dark Knight Returns Batman. We're going to get, this is going to be a darker, I knew right off the bat from that image, I was like, this is going to be a darker Batman. This is going to be a very pissed off Batman, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I remember seeing the initial image, and the words Kevin Smith had said rang through my ear in that, you know, very Jim Lee inspired, mm-hmm. which, which it is. It, yep. it, very, it very much is, but it's also, to your point, it basically is the Dark Knight Return suit. It's it's the black and gray, the big black yep. bat. It, it's that, nearly to a T. Now, he doesn't have underwear. Superman doesn't have underwear. I actually appreciate that, but yep. that's Same. For, for a completely different kind of argument or a completely different kind of debate. Regardless, like, yes, like, he looked fantastic as Batman. There, There is without question, no question that he looks the best and probably still is the best looking one in, in suit of any yep. actor today. I agree. And that's not to say that, that Pattinson isn't doing a, a phenomenal job or doesn't look great in his suit, but yeah, in terms of just pure, full-blown page-to-screen adaptation accuracy, it's like Affleck every time yep every single time and what's funny is like you know i also saw mark or sorry not mark marv wolfman put out a tweet in regards to you know wanting to see affleck's batman movie happen and you know he is the co-creator of deathstroke so of course obviously there's some bias there but at the same time like i i i don't blame him considering his age bracket and considering all the things he's contributed to DC lore over the years, from the, especially from the 70s and the 80s, like, like Marv Wolfman is like notorious for a lot of great things in DC, and Deathstroke's one of them. So if, if the co-creator is asking, like, hey, I'd love to see this. This is great. We would love to see this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, the, the unfortunate thing is, it's like people went down his throat for it. And we're like, man, you just want that residual check. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, Deathstroke isn't a Batman villain. And it's just like, he created the character to fight <laughs> Batman's sidekick turned hero. Or yeah. rather, turned leader of his own team. So, the fact that he was created specifically to fight a member of the Batman family, by definition, technically, yes, actually, Deathstroke is a Batman villain. Yeah. He was created for that world. 
Right. And, you know, as far as I recall, Solomon Grundy didn't first appear in a Batman comic, but he's more often than not associated as, wait for it, a Batman villain. Yeah. So it's it's just so funny to me that, that people just have to just latch on to this this idea, this sincerity that this the universe that is in the comics needs to be preserved at all costs, no matter what adaptation happens. Yeah, and I'm sorry, like when you from the like non like comic book fan perspective, you talk about the general audience, the general public. You say the name Destro, people think of either two things. They think of Slade from Teen Titans. Yep. Or they think the badass Batman versus Deathstroke fight in Batman Arkham Origins. And what do you know? Both of those things are very tight, tightly <laughs> tied to Batman. Yes. Yes, they are. And I think even Affleck and whoever was working else on the movie, they like they looked to that that real for their inspiration. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? That is amazing. Right, exactly. Probably one of the best cutscenes I've ever seen in a game. I remember that that was put in a trailer for promotional purposes mm-hmm. for the game. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That was that was a time to be alive. That was a time to work at a GameStop too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Matter of fact, I still have my collector's edition with the Joker on the table. Oh nice. Yeah. Well the the, the funny thing is is like if you if you have that collector's edition and you pull the collector's edition out before you play the game, you basically might spoil yourself because the heads are interchangeable between Joker and Black Mask. Ah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember getting that and opening it up. And, like, ah, crap. And, oh, no, not even <laughs> just being like, ah, oh, crap. I remember, like, the Joker head flying. I was like, what? But then I also <laughs> saw the, the Black Mask head, and I'm like, what? Wait a minute. And so I'm playing through the game, and I'm starting to, like, the clues start to align. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Then I'm playing through the game. Then the twist happens, and I was like, okay, that's why. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Talk about a talk about a good story twist. As much as I'm not a fan of that game or the story of it, I do think that that twist was a good one. Mm-hmm. Of, the, of the Joker just taking over and playing Black Mask. That that was actually really well thought out. Speaking of which, when are they going to remake that? Unfor- probably not anytime soon, I'd have to say, because I, I think that game has just... It's always gotten the raw deal. I mean, even look at when they did the, the Arkham remasters and all this stuff. Like, that game was just always ignored. And, yeah. like... Well, it also wasn't made by Rocksteady, too. Yeah, and I get it, but it's just like I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep the Arkham name in it, you gotta acknowledge that it's still a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It was it is kind of unfortunate to see that the Arkham Origins kind of get treated like the you know redheaded stepchild, if you will. Oh yeah, absolutely of that quadrilogy, which is a shame because it's. You know, I feel like a, a remaster would actually benefit that game more than anything now. Oh, 100%. Especially considering the villains made... The villains that are, sorry, the villains that are made to appear in that game. Copperhead, Bane, Deathstroke, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. All the other assassins, the Electrocutioner and the Electro Gauntlets. That's another thing I remember people, people having fits, fits about. They were like, man, these shot gauntlets make everything too easy. And it's like, 
Do they? Yeah. <laughs> do they really? No. Didn't for me. Maybe I'm just a bad player. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've played that game, but I probably couldn't now because it's on only PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360. I think you can get it on Steam. I'm sure I could, but I don't feel like getting it on Steam or anything on my computer. I'd rather just have it on PlayStation like I had it before. That makes sense. Because that's how I have the, the Arkham remasters on. I have them on PlayStation 4 and 5. So, Speaking of, uh, you know, Batman Arkham, you know what some of my favorite skins in Batman Arkham City were? What was that? Batman the Animated Series. Yes. making good on our promise to uh, continue with Batman the Animated Series. We are on the next episode in HBO Max order. That is uh, Vendetta. Introduction of Killer Croc to the canon. That's right. Now, I watched this episode today. Same. And it was it was actually quite a nice refresher. Um, I actually quite enjoyed this one a little more than, I, than I'd remembered. But I that. really did too, actually. And and I think the reason why I enjoyed it so much was probably having to do with like the last five minutes. Yeah. Yep. I think we're we're going to talk about the same thing. So, um, you know this 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 episode kind of starts off with a gentleman named Spider Conway, which I honestly sounds like a Easter egg to Jerry Conway, <laughs> who predominantly worked on DC and Marvel comics. Um, I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember what specifically he worked on, but yeah. Conway was very... No, Conway made the Punisher. Anyway. This gentleman named um, Spider Conway is being being escorted to a hearing to have his sentence reduced, but a bomb is put aboard the ship, which leads to it being abandoned, and Conway is then kidnapped by a gent... by a thing... In the water that can clearly swim that we do not see. Batman witnesses the entire thing and uh, then proceeds to uh, cuts to Gordon and Gordon is letting the units know that you know Conway has been taken and they, they want that he wants him found. So then Batman then goes to the, uh, the dock at is it Stonegate, not Blackgate in this version? Stonegate. Yeah, Stonegate. Yep. And finds a toothpick leading him to point Harvey Bullock in the direction of being a prime suspect for the person who could have potentially bombed this boat and kidnapping Conway. Now, I think the detective work in this is actually pretty good, and even the story of it being like Killer Croc being the one who wound up being the one to frame Bullock and, you know, the way he snuck around in, in his outfit was actually kind of interesting too, but it was just, yeah. Yeah, I really thought that this was probably 
one of the first episodes out of everything we've watched where like the emphasis on this story is the detective work of what Bruce has to do to figure out what's going on and his process and how he's going to figure it out, how he's going to catch the culprit, all of that stuff. Um, what I found interesting too was I, it, it kind of played like a monster movie in a way too, because I mean, what we, when they finally reveal killer croc, I'd say it's only in the last maybe 10 minutes of the episode. That's uh, yeah. You you get the reveal about halfway through, yeah. And um you kind of get a reveal. You get hints here and there like leading up like mm-hmm. when Conway wakes up in the in the in Croc's lair, you kind of see him a little bit, you see a silhouette, but you don't actually fully see him until about there's 10 minutes left in the episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, what I also noticed in this is there's actually a bit of a I almost want to say like I think maybe Batman Begins might have been inspired by something in this episode Rupert Thorne being dropped down the building and tied yeah him. you know a lot of this there were a lot of moments in this episode that I felt like I'm, I was sitting there like that kind of reminds me of a scene from Batman Begins that kind of reminds me of a scene from The Batman there was a lot of little notes here and there that I was just like, this feels like they definitely got some inspiration from this episode. Yeah, and I also really did like that that Batman went through like his own detective trial and tribulation and, and you know found more clues that didn't necessarily lead to Bullet being the suspect as the prime suspect. And, and he was even, you know, conscious enough to admit at the end of the episode, like, yeah, you know, I, I was wrong. Yeah. Which I think was big for him. Well, and it was tough because, you know, we haven't seen it in too many episodes in this HBO Max run, but it has been pretty much shown that, like, Bullock and Batman don't see eye to eye. Like, they both believe in justice, but they don't like one another and they don't like who the other, you know, what how the other one does what they do. Right. And I do like that Batman acknowledged that. He was like, you know, we both have our own ways of, of dishing out justice but we, at the same time we both believe in justice and that's what that's what matters and Bullock just kind of shakes it off and goes yeah sure whatever but yeah. I also really did just like some of the animation in this episode too like when the, the sewer beneath them um, collapses I thought that was all really well done mm-hmm. or just the, the fight between Killer Croc and Batman like the, the Batman with red eyes yeah that was cool that was really cool wasn't it yeah like he looked fantastic with with red eyes and now I'm just like well now I want a toy of Batman with red eyes (laughs) red eye Batman I want red eye Batman toys not flashpoint Batman where he's got red eyes just you know Batman the (laughs) series with red eyes that's that's what I want actually I kind of want to see a version of that in the in a movie I could totally see it happening in the Batman at some point like he'll use it yeah like an infrared or something like that well, not even just an infrared, like a, a, a shield, a red, yeah. violet shield to shield your eyes when you have a, a you know, a flashbang. Like yeah. you had to get on Croc. Like that was that was really good. Yeah, I could totally see it happening in a The Batman sequel. Also, I also loved, uh, again, you know, I think every episode we always find a, a nice quote from Conroy. 
Oh yeah. For, for his line delivery, and I think mine for for this episode was, "Here's how it works, slime ball." Oh yeah. I when have he's questions, to and you have answers. Yeah, yeah. When he's talking to yeah. Thorn. Yeah, that 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 line delivery just again. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Thank you. Well, the animation too at uh, that that scene right before he talks to him, when he first confronts him, and then Thorn's goons come in with their machine guns. And Batman just kind of, he grabs him, and he's, I think he says something along the lines of, like, I hope your men are really good shots. Yeah, and then he, yeah. And then he gives this little smirk and waves to the goons, and then him and Bullock, and he jumps out of the window. That was a great moment in that episode. That was, and then they, you know, he interrogates him, and, you know, oh, man, so good. You know, I feel like... I'm I'm pretty confident in giving this episode five five bat yeah. wings five bat wings out of five. I was actually I was debating a four or five, but by the time you get to the like you said the final five minutes, the fight between Batman and Croc, um, even like even just some of the even like kind of like sillier moments like I thought it was really funny that like. It, Bruce gets his revelation about Croc when. <laughs> When Alfred says something about his soup being in a microwavable crock. Yeah. And yeah, Bruce yeah. goes, Crock. Alfred. You're a genius. I you're, love you. Or no, I think, I think he says, like, you're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then the very, what I thought was hilarious, though, is the next scene, <laughs> Bruce goes to a zoo just so that he can look at uh, the crocodile exhibit and the like the zoo keeper or whatever says something about like oh yeah crocodiles like to hide in underwater layers he's like that's it yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's the revelation he needed to get in the bat boat and go underwater to look for croc it's just like these small little things like that's i think what is so refreshing about this show is it, it knows to play it serious, but it also knows that it is still a cartoon. It is still an animated show that it's it always plays that fine line between being for adults and for kids. Because honestly, I mean, think about it. Those the first couple minutes, the whole you know, how these crooks are connected to Thorn and Bullock and mm-hmm. like all this stuff, I mean, for a kid that's kind of a little over their head. So it, it's it, like... It's a little, a lot to take in, especially when you figure in the, the child demographic. But the fact that the writers yeah. were were able to get away with it... Yeah. still pretty impressive, too. Like, because there's still enough there to latch onto as far as just the, the visual spectacle, right? Like, of, of yeah. seeing Batman be a detective or figure these things out and then you know getting in the bat boat and going underwater and fighting a giant crocodile monster and you know there's a lot there that that it, that it does appeal to it but on the narrative level yes there is a lot that could go over a kid's head if they weren't paying that much attention but i don't think yeah. it would matter that much but the fact that there are things like that to pick out in episodes like this and the fact that it's also you see stuff like this homaged in other versions of Batman is just also yep. awesome too. Yep. Yeah, very solid episode. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for the day that Rupert Thorne and and actually, yeah, well, they've already kind of had Daggett in the Dark Knight Rises, but I'm I'm waiting for the day that like Rupert Thorne and, and Daggett make proper appearances if they ever do. I don't know. 
They are yeah, that that Daggett, that Daggett in the Nolan one said, I was like, yeah, they, they just used the name. That wasn't that wasn't Daggett. Yeah, that was not Roland Daggett. Roland Daggett is a much more in, in, endearing ass in the cartoon. <laughs> fair, fair. Just someone that you absolutely want to see get his comeuppance, yet he always slips away. Yeah. And I think that's also something about this episode, too that you don't necessarily get a look at like the supporting cast you get a, a, a nice look in the bullock and the kind of cop he is too because mm-hmm. there was at yeah. one point gordon was like look i gotta i gotta take you off because i don't want turtle fairs to come after you which yeah. is admirable but even bullock's just like no this is nonsense i need to finish this especially yep. since he's got batman looking looking at his ass right overall like it, it was just a really 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 well done episode and i also love that even when batman's so arrogant in, in his thought process of him always being right he can be wrong and I think this is actually a good episode of showcase mm-hmm. he can in fact be wrong because he goes to Gordon he's like look I think Bullock's your guy and, and Gordon's like no Bullock's been through a lot of shit but he's a good cop he's not dirty so yep. I, I did like that the, the, the few times that, that Batman and Gordon disagree this is one of those times where you can look at it and be like yep I get it I can see it I can see why well, in the final moment, too, I, th- I thought it was great how um, the press is interviewing Bullock as he comes out. He basically says, like, hey, all you scum out there, like, watch out because I'm, I'm out here and I'm still going to be, you know, looking for you. And there's I'm going to end corruption and all this. And then it just goes to Batman and he just smiles. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was great seeing Batman smile in the Batcave at that. It's a great episode five out of five from both of us here yeah um so the next ones we got uh next one up is prophecy of doom i don't remember that one yeah i was even when i looked at the synopsis i'm like i i don't recall this one and the next one after that is the forgotten i don't remember that one either and then lastly uh mad as a hatter this one i do remember as the title implies this will be a jervis tetch mad hatter episode Now, The Forgotten, I do remember. There is one specific thing about The Forgotten that I really love, so I can't wait to talk about that one. Okay. Yeah, Prophecy of Doom and Forgotten, don't really remember them too much, but Mad as a Hatter, that one I do recall very well. So, cool. We, we Those are our next three on the docket for anyone paying attention and following along with uh, our rewatch of Batman the Animated Series. But yeah, um, as we also mentioned earlier, there there really was not too much to talk about this 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 week, minus just a lot of discourse surrounding Batman vs Superman. But again, that's really nothing entirely too new because that movie, as I mentioned, is still being talked about. Now, the one thing I'm hoping is since we are getting close, actually, will it be this week or next week that HBO Max officially switches over to Max? I'm kind of hoping at some point soon we got to be getting a full trailer for the penguin. Um, I would, you know what I think the max changeover is this month. It's with soon too, so it should be relatively soon. How soon I do not know. Um, as for a trailer for the penguin, considering they did drop that in production tease first look type deal couple weeks ago i don't see them doing one until 
you know when it's come to when it comes to tv shows they usually don't promote much of anything until one two maybe three months ahead of release when they have yeah you are right because i do remember that last the last of us trailers really didn't come out until about yeah you're right december yeah november december and then the show came out in january yep yep now it will be exciting to see more of this stuff shooting when the writers strike i actually you know what i haven't looked to see if penguin got shut down or not i've heard of a bunch of other stuff like getting shut down for filming like i know daredevil halted filming um couple things on the cw halted filming like there's a ton of stuff on the disney yeah. that stopped filming i saw that last of us's season two the casting has been halted because of the writer strike so i wonder if man i wonder if that's affected the penguin in any way if it's affecting the last of us i would think okay when it comes to the writer's strike, it's important to remember that anything that has been written is fine. Anything that has in production mm-hmm. is usually fine. Anything where they do not need a writer on set and the scripts are locked and good, they're fine. But also, it's also bear this in mind: when the when while the writer's strike is happening, there can be no rewrites on set. There can be yep. no tampering with the script. There can be no writing of any kind whatsoever now that said you're still free to use scripts and follow them to a t you just can't edit them you can't write them you can't but that also does not exclude anything like ad-libbing yeah very true so it's it's just really murky right now because again the the writer strike isn't it, it's nothing that should be sneezed at. It's something that's going to affect everything. Yep. When when people like look online and they see WGA, it, it, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes in regards to why it's so important. And and there, it, what really kind of bothers me is some people are like, oh no, just let AI take care of it because people can't can't rush in Hollywood anyway. It's like no, that's kind of a lame duck easy button thing to say. Yes, yeah. really ignorant because. If you really want to start putting AI in front of everything, you're basically putting on a, on a first world path to Terminator, the movie. And I'm Absolutely. not okay with that. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I don't see sensible anything coming out of a movie written by a computer and a studio makes it. I don't see that being a good thing. And if it is a good thing, if it is a profitable thing, then that's definitely not a good sign. You're literally talking about a machine churning out <laughs> product after product after product. Exactly. Do you really want that? Come on now. Because it, when that happens, you take away the creative component that is the human. The human element. Exactly. Yep. So it's. I just – I really hope that these studios pay their writers what they are worth. Yeah. Because – when you pay your writers what you're worth, you get quality stuff like Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. When you don't, well, that's when your shows don't make air, and that's when you have to start <laughs> delaying things even more because you don't know how to pay people what they're worth, and that's unfortunate. And the the real big thing of it is, like, it, it's not even, like, network television. It's This is all coming in based off of streaming residuals, from what I understand. Really? Yep. Hmm. 
like the streaming residuals compared to other, you know, network, otherwise televised residual checks, pennies and dimes compared to, you know, whatever average paycheck writers make. Because that's entirely up to, well, the writers know their worth. That's the best way I can say that. Yep. So if you're a writer and you're a successful writer or you're a TV writer and you get a, you know, two, three cent residual check for a streaming show that you worked on, yeah, I'd be pissed too. Yeah, same. I, I, I would be superbly pissed because especially if some of these companies are talking about taking some of that money and giving themselves raises, especially higher form executives, that's nonsense, especially during something like this. But, yeah, I, I think it's important to, to advocate for the writers and honestly pay them. Pay them for what they're yep. worth so I can get more content that I can not necessarily criticize but have discussion about that's, you know, not doesn't just boil it down to good or bad. Yep. But, um, yeah, that, that that's pretty much, I think, all we've got for, for this episode of The Eternal Night. We have been very busy and... Um, you know, we don't really have anything on the docket. So if you guys really want to just throw us any ideas, feel free to. Uh, we have an email, eternalnightpod at gmail.com, where you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, or even Facebook. Just search T-E-K underscore podcast. Um, Craig, did you ever set up, I know you said you were downloading the Vero account on the last episode. Did you actually make an account, though? Uh, I downloaded it, but I haven't set my account up but i did decide on my username so i will be having it up soon all right and you all know where to find me uh, again unfiltered u-n-p-h-i-l-t-e-r-e-d-d-d you can catch me on the four nerds every thursday i was also a guest on the vodka stream last night and i also just before recording this episode was on the patreon stream for uh, again dave film junkie pena and hats off to him for a lovely guy he's also a batman fan um i love talking about it batman whenever i can i am a Batman fan horror, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but we will be back, I'm sure, with other things to talk about Batman. Other Batman things to talk about. I'm sure. I don't doubt it. Not one bit. But that is where we are putting up the cowl for the date or night, whatever your listening preference is. Take it easy. Stay safe and keep it classy in the cave, everybody. Take care. Why'd you stick your neck out like that to help me? Because I thought you were guilty too. And I was wrong. We may have different ways of enforcing the law, but we both believe in it. Yeah, go on. I'll take it from here. Not a bad piece of work. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, all thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.